0: I'm Mariangela Abeo, creator of the Faces of Fortitude movement, which is a safe space for faces of suicide and mental illness to share their stories and help each other heal. And this is Face to Faces, a conversation series featuring people from all walks of life exploring the real human emotions we're all dealing with as the world around us rapidly evolves. I'm glad you're here with us. Let's lean in okay my guest today is mariel hemingway who's an academy award and Glo- golden globe nominated actress bafta winner for her performance in woody allen's manhattan and granddaughter of nobel peace prize winning author, Ernest Hemingway. In 2013, she and her family were highlighted in the award-winning documentary, Running from Crazy, which explored the family history with mental illness and the seven family members who took their own lives. Mariel, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a, such a pleasure.
1: I love what you're doing in the world with this work—it's—it's
0: mm, it's been a long time coming. We've tried and we've cro- tried to cross paths a few times, and it, you know the world just works in mysterious ways. So I'm—I'm I'm happy that it worked. Yeah, totally. It's—it's it's very good. Well, before so. anything, I'd like to ask everybody: um, How are you doing today? You know, this—it's kind of a day by day thing right now in this pandemic, in this situation. How are you doing?
1: You know what's interesting about you saying that is that I sort of really try to focus my life on being present. Like the whole idea of like, it's not about yesterday. It's not about tomorrow, which is really hard because we live in such, such uncertain times that all you can think about is like, what's going to, do you think they're going to lift anything? Do you think I'm going to be able to go to a coffee shop someday? <laughs> it's, it's right. crazy. But um, the beautiful thing is that because it's a heightened practice, because we have to, we have to stay home or we can't do what we normally do. It's a wonderful opportunity or it's my choice to see it as a wonderful opportunity to say, okay, today is, is a good day, you know? And some days aren't. (laughs) Although I was vacuuming earlier. This sounds so ridiculous. I was vacuuming and (laughs) I, you know, the, the cord was getting all like tangled up and I, and it and it it wasn't coming you know you're trying to go to other rooms and I was like fuck (laughs) I just like lost and I thought "Hmm, I wonder if that has very little to do with the vacuum and more to do with what's going on in the world and and I think that that's it's really important to acknowledge those moments of like of losing your shit because it's hard this is not easy it's and it's an underlying thing that you can't put words to. But like you were saying to me before we started, you know, we're all in this together. Everybody feels some version of the same thing. I was talking to my daughter who's, you know, in her 30s. And I I, I said, "How you, you know, how are you doing? And she's like, I just, she goes, oh, it makes me cry. She goes, I just feel like I don't have any more magic in me. And I got so sad because,
0: Lord.
1: you know, and then I was sending her stuff. I was like, you're the most magical person. I remember when you were 13 and this and that and whatever. The point is, I think we have to express those moments of despair, you know, and they're they're simple, but we're all going through them. It doesn't matter whether you have a mental health issue or not. We're mm-hmm. all going through mental health kind of crises this is a traumatic experience Mm. and it's also a wonderful experience so I choose to most days see you know go out in nature and take my shoes off and ground and you know like I'm into a lot of things that I know help me but Mm. but you also have to acknowledge that there's panic and there's frustration and there's pulling the you know vacuum cord and getting really mad Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) But but I love that your daughter acknowledged that, you know, I think that right now, especially the younger generation, my daughter's 23. And so the younger generation, um, she's a, she's a professional ballet dancer. And she can't dance right now. And that's her life. That's what she's in a company. Like she said, "Mom, this is so painful for me to not be in front of an audience and do my passion. And so all these dancers are having to find other ways to not only stay in shape, but also express themselves. And so she was just over before this and, um, I was asking her, I was telling her who I was interviewing. And I said, do you know who Ernest Hemingway is? And she goes, do you think I'm an idiot? Of course I know who Ernest You know what I mean? And so, but it was cute because this generation, yeah. but when this whole quarantine happened, she, looked at, yeah, she looked at me and she said, the store was out of bread. And I said, well, why don't I teach you how to make bread? But, you know, the millennial, she was like, oh... Right. What a constant, you know what I mean? And, and totally. so we're doing that, but like you said, there are these, there are these silver linings and that's my next question is how are you practicing self-care? I know that you are very, I mean, I'm an earth sign, so I'm very grounded All my plan. I have all these things that I, that keep me grounded, yeah. um, but not everybody has that. And so I think right. people are finding new silver linings and threads of self-care that they didn't realize they needed before. And, and I don't know if you've acclimated anything different, For this, the new times that we're in? You know, (laughs) this is
1: funny. My uh, significant other, partner, husband, for lack of a better term, even though we're not married um, said to me (laughs) and was saying to somebody on the other, on the phone that he goes, you know, our lives aren't that different. (laughs) I mean, because we are not hyper social. We don't drink. We don't go to a bar. We don't do those kinds of things. And my heart goes out to people that are very social and outgoing in that way. Um, So, (laughs) um, you know, my, my life is quite similar to the way that it is when I'm not working. And when I'm not working, Mm. I wake up in the morning, you know, with the rising sun. I, I, I try to watch every sunrise. I try to, no, I try, I do. And I meditate outside and I do, um, you know, I I think about the water that I drink. I really do. No joke. I really do take my shoes off and go onto a trail for hours at a time walking barefoot. Mm. It was a, painful situation than when i first started it but now i'm pretty good <laughs> i've been heavy yeah yeah and i can't get a <laughs> pedicure anyway so they look funky but <laughs> yeah it's fine <laughs> but it's all good because these are the things that i know literally keep me balanced and keep me from losing my losing my shit or you know getting yeah. a, Having a, a sense of because because of the uncertainty, it's important to find the self-care that works for you, because the thing is, what works for me isn't going to work for you. It's not going to work for my daughter or certain parts of it are. And then that's why we have to share these experiences. So you can say so, you, so I can say when you mention something, oh, my gosh, I had not tried that. That's a wonderful self-care situation. It was like I told my daughter, I said, you're very magical. And I said, I want you to every day embrace the little girl who loved herself so much and never saw that there was magic or no magic. She was just all magical. It was all like new. And I said, I want you to just visualize embracing that little girl every day so that you can keep in touch with that feeling of kind of innocence and i think that what this time has done to us is it it's taken a little bit of our innocence away even though you know right does it if you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah no and i think i love that you said that to her i think you know as a as a mom i um, i'm always trying to tell my child, now she's an adult, things that I wish I had heard growing up or things that I necessarily didn't believe. And I remember I was at some Oprah thing and Oprah read this freaking poem to us, to the group of people called Love After Love. And it's about finding yourself again and befriending that person that you were younger, that you forgot about over the years and that you put other people in front of. And man, if I did not absolutely ugly cry sob in front of Oprah I was like because on top of it it's Oprah reading it to you so this quote was just like come back to yourself who loved you before anybody else and it was like oh and so with my daughter I try to tell her this I'm like Befriend yourself. Take the love notes. And it says something about taking the love notes from the bookshelf and read them back to yourself. This person that you loved so much in the beginning. And it's so beautiful because now we're all forced to have this solo time with ourselves and really find ourselves again. I'm having so much exploration during this time, but it sounds like you're able to pass that along to your your kids.
1: Yeah. It's been really, it's really wonderful. That's exactly what I said to her. I mean, not in an Oprah-esque way, but I did. <laughs> None of us can do said, that. Yeah. Right? I know. I know. Ugh, I've been interviewed by her and it's like, what? Yeah. Wow. You're amazing. Yeah. I, I would just <laughs> cry and weep. <laughs> it is pretty profound. Anyway, but I said to her, I said, I, because I, I mean, she was feeling unloved. And I said, you know, it's that age old thing. You know, I said, this is cliche Mm. and you're 32 years old. It's not like you don't, haven't heard this, but you know, it's that, it's the very thing that you just said. You have to love the, that's why I said love the little girl who didn't ever Mm. see that she wasn't lovable. Cause at at one point we had this thing happen. We were Hawaii. She was about 12 and very traumatic. We almost drowned and blah blah blah. But it it was a wonderful family experience because we all got out of it and we were like heroes. <laughs> and we were at dinner the night after it happened and we were asking we were asking each other like, how do you feel like you know, do do you love your mom? Do you love your dad? Do you love your sister? And, you know, my other daughter was like, Yes, I I love daddy and I love you and I love my sister and and, and then we asked three, this is the daughter that I was talking to. We said, so do you love, you know, like, what are you feeling? How do how are you feeling? She goes, I just love myself. I love myself so much. <laughs> and she was looking in the mirror at this restaurant <laughs> at herself. And I, and I reminded her of how funny that was, first of all, but I said, it really wasn't a joke. I said, you really did have this unprecedented and, 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 unashamed, blatant kind of opening to who you were at that time. And it was so powerful. And I think that we all have an innocent kid in us who just loved the world and had open eyes and was fresh and new. And yet that's in us. It's not like that has to be gone. I'm almost 60. And that doesn't, Mm. you know, it doesn't go away. It's just, we forgotten about her or those those mm. tender feelings of of who am I you know and 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 I can be and and we can still have dreams of great things and also especially because of this time where you feel like oh my god all my dreams are never going to come true because I'll never be able to do what I'm here to do like I'm not allowed right um but the truth is I think the universe god whatever you want to call it has our loves us. I truly believe that. And I think that we have to in, in turn show our gratitude and our love in respect for the planet and all of, all of, you know, what's protecting us, because I think that we are just giving the earth a break. And, and I think that we will come back and, and she's going to be like, thank you so much. I needed it. You can't abuse me the way that you have for so long,
0: you know? And the the universe is like, we are giving mother earth a collective exhale. And why don't you exhale at the same time? Like, let's take a minute. Cause we're all so work, work, fast, fast. And I know me, like, I'm like shooting in LA. And then I had plans to shoot in New York. And then I'm here in Seattle and I was jet setting. And then I was forced to sit and pause And all of my 2020 goals were fucked. And I was like, shit, now what? Well, maybe it's time. My therapist, bless her heart, she makes her money over the last eight years. She, you know, now is seeing me virtually. And she said, you know, all those things you used to go outward for. Now let's talk about what. Well, let's just talk about what you were getting from them and why you can't give that to yourself. Whether it's self-soothing, whether it's just, you know, the attention that you get from friends or at events or gallery things. Like all of these things happen so fast, you love them, they're so fun, they're adrenaline. What are you not getting yourself th- from that? So, it it was hard. I was like, shit, you're right. <laughs> I hate this. But it was real. Yeah. And so that brings me to, you know, a really important question. What in this sucks for you because I think we talk about the silver lining so much. But like, for me, I hate, I, I hate not being able to hug people. I'm a hugger. I was just going to say the same
1: thing. I just say, well, you know, secretly and please don't tell anybody. And it's not because I'm breaking the law. But yesterday I met my best friend, Melissa, who you've been like dealing, dealing with. She's also my best friend and my manager. (laughs) And, um, we met and we, we, we have, we now have a tree in a parking lot outside the market that we used to go in and have lunch. Right. Or whatever. And there's this tree and there's a little marking on the tree and it says, tw- it, it's a, it has a number 23 on it. So we, we meet at T T 23, tree 23 and we go there and I'm like, and we hug, we just hug mm. and it's, yeah. Amazing. And when my daughter came, God, why am I crying? When my daughter came over no, and I hadn't seen emotional. her in weeks, you know, it was just like I just held her. And, you know, it's just, it's, you need it. We forget. We're, we're animals. We're, you're, we're beings that need contact. It's really hard. I'm a hugger too. I always hug people. And sometimes I hug people that I don't know. I'm like, uh, I'm, whoa, sorry.
0: Yeah. I, Or people that don't want to be hugged. I'm learning that. I'm learning to like ask consent. I'm like, is it okay that I hug you? But my daughter that was just over, she's the only person we're really quarantining with. She lives a few blocks away. Her apartment's really close. And she, you know, she hugged me and she held me a little longer. And it just having her heart up against mine was just, you don't, you know, her and I are both jets. You know, she's a ballerina. She's so busy that, you know, when we give each other hugs, it's like hug. And then when she gave me a hug, when she was leaving, it was just, it was different. It was like, I know I live two blocks away, but I'm just giving you a longer hug because I can and I can't hug anybody else and um yeah, it's pretty brutal it's also it is I don't know I don't know what area you live are you in California? yes, yeah, Malibuish yeah China. okay i I am um, I don't know how it is there, but watching other people that. You know, I feel I have to acknowledge my uh, my privilege and my opportunity and the fact that I have a roof over my head and I have a job still. And, you know, and I think that watching people lose their businesses, watching people not um, be able to feed their families or like get kicked out of shelters because there was a COVID-19, you know, in the shelter. Um, that's all been heartbreaking for me because I can't do anything. Watching that and not knowing how to help is just... Um, That's brutal. That's like secondhand trauma, a little bit for all of us. Because you see it on the news too. You see,
1: I I totally agree. I mean that the fact that you feel helpless and and ineffectual and like you can't. It's just, what do you do? what do you do? And you're not supposed to do something. And is my staying home doing something is, you know, am I participating? Am I not participating? And how do you reach out? It's very challenging. And, and, you know, and I think this whole, the whole economic, you know, impact, traumatic impact of this is profound. And, and, and especially for, you and I and people like us that are doing the kind of mental health work, that's going to be a very huge battle over the next several months. I mean, it's happening right now is that helping people to it's hard to, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, life isn't about money and blah, blah. But when you don't have any, it is, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it it's a big piece of it. And I don't think we need to be ashamed about it, but we need to f- help. Help ourselves and help others figure out how to get through, negotiate that journey because it's, it's horrible. And, 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 and I say that not from a place of, um, I I don't know, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I don't know what it's like to have nothing because I actually do. Nobody would suspect it, but I completely do and incredibly recently and how traumatizing and debilitating that is and and mentally for your mental health it's absolutely excruciating because there's so much shame involved and there's so much inability to you just don't know what to do um you know but you don't know how fast it can
0: happen holy shit
1: I mean, you can be that's the thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you think, you know, you you think, you know, those all those people. We really don't know where, you know, everybody's you don't know minutes away from getting a virus, from being homeless, from you just don't know what it is. You're moments away. So it really is about self-care on a physical, emotional, spiritual level it's so profound it's on every level of our of our being that we have to kind of pay attention and trust in the universe and and ask the universe for what you want and what you need and keep saying it in a positive and grateful way so that you can get results because it feels as though when you're going through this you know horror which it can be uh that that it's really all bullshit. (laughs) You know, it's hard to believe that the, that, that God or the universe or whatever is, has, has, has your back. It's hard to believe. So it's when you need, it's when you need your family, it's when you need your daughter to hug you a little bit longer, you know,
0: yeah, I, I, um, my, so we both lost siblings to suicide. My brother is the reason why the project started in the first yes. place and it will be 13 years in June and he was 26 and he, um, he had an, he had a special place in his heart for homeless people and towards the end he would give things away to them and sit and talk to them and he would accuse the rest of us of not paying attention to them and not seeing them and not opening our eyes and not hearing their names. And so, I believe that when he died, he transferred some of that to me because I used – honestly, I used to not give a shit. And now I just – the other day I was walking and there was a young woman um, who was – I couldn't tell if she was houseless or not, and she looked at me and asked me if I had money, and I said, I'm so sorry, and I asked what her name was. And um, then she asked me what mine was, and I said, I don't have money, but do you need like a ride somewhere? Do you need help? And she said, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm okay. I was in a shelter. I lost my job a month before the quarantine, and I had stayed in a shelter until I could wait for my next check to try to find a place. And then a COVID-19 case came into the shelter, and they had to shut the whole thing down. And so now I'm homeless. And she's 29. And I just was like, I came home and sobbed because I was like, I couldn't help her. And she you know so many of us live check to check and so that was such a reality to me and I didn't know how to help her and I couldn't and I think that when those of us like you and I have gone through a trauma of seeing somebody especially a sibling who's struggled with substance abuse who struggled with with their own demons and then you see somebody on the street that's so close to that because of all this it it brings up so much trauma at the same time and you want to do something because you never want anybody else's family to experience that.
1: It's horrible. It's horrible. It's, I hear (laughs) you. It's awful. I, I,
0: I know that when we talked, when we first crossed paths, you were working on a project now because now Hollywood is kind of up in the air now and the TV industry and movie industry, it's, it's kind of weird what's happening to it. I'm interviewing some people for pride month next month for a documentary and he works for NBC and he was talking to me about how he's like, I have no, he's a writer. He said, I have no idea when I'm going back. We have no idea. And so I wonder like, how has that affected your projects? How has that affected your work and uh, what's happening on your side of things?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, obviously tra- traumatic because, you know, nobody, nobody knows when they can go back to work, especially for shooting purposes, you know, like we can all write, we can all create projects. And I've got, uh, I think the project that I was talking to you about is a prevention of suicide television show for, for, for teens, at least starting out with yeah. teens and then just, you know, it's just, it's global, it's epidemic. It's really kind of right. frightening. Um, and so we're trying to sell that. But I really, you know, even though we're talking about what sucks, <laughs> I really do have an inherent belief that things are going to be OK. I think it's going to take the time that it takes, whatever that is. And I really do think that we're going to come out of this better, as better as human beings. I think our fo- the world is going to be focused in a different kind of way. So I think I think that we'll be we'll be OK you know, I really do. I am directing and starring in a film, so it better be okay <laughs> because <laughs> I really want to f- make this movie. Come on, we can all wear masks right. I'm cool
0: <laughs> right, right, right. I love that but I mean yeah, it is different. <laughs> yeah, it is hey. It's crazy
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but I, I I'm glad that you're don't have a mask on. <laughs> hers like oh, i mean no. hey a lot of the asian countries they do that totally they totally do it's
1: i know it's very possible that our
0: way of life has
1: changed it totally is i, I know t- i mean how many i don't know there were so many times when i'd go into the store and i just i wanted to claw the thing off cuz it made me so hot and i couldn't breathe and i was like oh this, this is insane like, I'm like no, but now we're kind of used to it. Now I go in, I don't notice yeah. it anymore. But it, you know, it is what it is. It's very yeah, strange. it is.
0: It's protecting. And hopefully it's it's going to get us out of this faster. So whatever that takes. I was trying to be in L.A. by the end of, by mid-July. So that's my only goal right now. <laughs> You'll be here. Baby steps. You'll be here. Yeah, baby I think, steps. I think I'll be here. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I I think that something in the mental health side of this is that, you know, there's those of us that struggle with depression, that have it in our families, that have um, anxiety, that have mental illness. And we deal with it all the time. What's happening now in the world is that there are new people that haven't struggled with it before, that are struggling with it for the first time because of what's happening. And so I think it's greatly affecting those of us with mental illness because it's making us go, it's. I'm seeing two things with my faces. I think I've shot 170 faces now and I've had half of them coming to me going, I'm struggling even more, which I'm like trying to be there and create a space for them. But then the other half are fascinatingly saying my, my roommate has experienced anxiety for the first time. And I was able to be there for them for it because I understood what it felt like. And I was like, good for you. That's amazing.
1: Well, one of the great things that all kind of great spiritual leaders always say is that when in crisis, do something for someone else. And there is something mm. about that. And I think what, especially with mental health, there's a feeling of isolation and being alone. And right. like, you know, like who who else, you know, you just don't feel like anybody else is like you or or like when you're a teenager. That's why I think mental health issues for kids are so so horrible is because they think, you know, nobody else feels that way. But when you have those, the, the best thing you can do is like direct it outward and say, oh, well, it doesn't have to be about me, if that's possible. And you can say when you can help somebody, it's one of the greatest things to teach you about yourself. And it also strengthens your it strengthens your character. It just it, it helps you right. tremendously. I think it helps bring balance.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that your focus on teens is so necessary. I think yeah. right now, um, there's a lot of focus, you know, I don't think Hollywood in general or society focuses on anything until something bad happens. Right. And, um, I do admit that I watched your movie last night running or the TV show running from crazy. Yeah. Um, cause I just wanted to do my homework and, um, I, I the part that I I mean, I sob easily, as you can tell, but the part that made me cry the hardest was actually you crying at the overnight walk at the AFSP, because I've been to those and I've spoken at them. And I, I know how intense that is. But I also know how many teens don't get that experience. So I loved that you brought your daughter. And I love that 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 immense feeling of both sadness and grief, but also not being alone was something that you got to experience with her. And that because you... I think you were talking at some point in the movie about her feeling... She was talking about feeling distant from it, about, you know, he's not really you know, he wasn't really a great, I didn't know anything about him or, you know, and, and, and so there was a little bit of a space there between her yeah. reality and suicide. And I love that you kind of brought that in and she, you could tell she got it immediately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now, gosh, that was seven years ago. So or probably eight years ago when it was filmed. now she's 30, you know, and had mm. so many experiences with friends and, and different things in her life. And, and yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's really interesting. And I think that I tried to, I think I tried to protect my kids from what I came from in a way. I think I told them a lot about like addiction and this can happen and that we had suicides, but I never really I think I tried to avoid it because I was scared of it myself. I, I kept thinking, like I said in, in, in the film, in Running From Crazy, that, you know, I was afraid that I would wake up one day and actually be like Looney Tunes and not even know it. Right. <laughs> and And so I right. wanted to protect myself, to protect my kids, to, you know... We all have fight or flight. We all have ways that we try to protect ourselves. And, you know, the truth is, and and I'm sure you discover this because of all the people that you speak to, the more you realize that we're all having similar feelings and that you share those, the less power they have. They just don't have power. If you if you, you know, speak truth to the to the anxieties in our lives, it dissipates the power that has. And it dissipates the anxiety that it gives you because the more you can just say, it's just a story, you know, it doesn't mean it's not an important story and that, you know, se- that seven suicides happened in my family, but they happened and that is the past and it is not happening now. So we have to, that's why staying present, I think, especially nowadays, is like, that's why it's so critical, right?
0: Right. And I think that when you talk about, and I, I I just recently, one of the many things on my goal list that was fucked was my second Ted talk, which is, was supposed to be at Dartmouth. It was a huge thing. I finished writing it the day they canceled it. So, but it's just next year. It's fine. But one of the things I talked about in it was that trauma, suicide trauma and ideation or anything, I think it sounds different outside of your head when you talk about it to somebody in real words in real life, it sounds different. And then you have the ability, if you are conscious enough, to leave it there and let someone else process it and, and watch somebody else react to it. And that just, it gives you a perspective that you don't have if you keep it in there and keep it ruminating. Yes, absolutely. I, I And I, I had a therapist a
1: long time ago. I can't remember who it was, but they were like, you have to bring words to the things that are going on in our, you know, cause we think, Oh no, I get that. Oh, I know what's going on in my brain. But if you don't actually, or write, you know, writing is really good for that too, or filmmaking, but, but speaking it out, br- it just does something. It breaks the chain. I think it really does. And I think yeah. probably for you and me, I, you know, cause I didn't do a lot of speaking like you do only. I'm totally scared yeah. to do a Ted talks, totally frightened. I'm like, Nope. Not gonna
0: do it. Um, oh, Mariel, like, oh, no. I I, practic- I I think I vomited backstage, like oh. in my mouth, and needed water. Like that's how bad it was. I'm totally. I'm so, I'm I am so. I am so petrified. Still, don't worry. This.
1: I love to speak, but TED, TED talks just seem. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like. I, I feel like I'll get They're up terrifying. there. And it's like twenty minutes, and you're fucked because you're not gonna remember anything. And, and I never <laughs> have a problem. I never have a problem speaking, but I'll just get up there and. I'm going to go fucking blank.
0: (laughs) That's kind of what happened to me. I mean, it's definitely, um, they, they train you so well though. So don't worry, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But still it's, yeah, I was like, I'm going to forget everything. Yeah. I'm going to vomit. It's fine. Oh, oh. And getting back to what I was saying is that because we speak,
1: you know, we do have that opportunity and speaking to a group, um, and you don't have to be a celebrity or even have that p- platform, but speaking to a group is, is is it it must be like going to a meeting when you you know, there's something about it. There's something right. about the acknowledgement of what you're saying to other human beings and it allows them also to process process your story through their own through their own filter, through their own story. And it's so funny. And I, right. I don't know if you get this, but oftentimes people afterwards will go, oh my God, you and I have this exact same story. We came from this. And they'll tell me their story. And I'm like, that's that's Doesn't nothing, like, that's nothing like <laughs> my life. But, <laughs> but that's okay. Trauma find like, trauma. Yeah, yeah. And it's because the relationship is to the feeling, not to the mm. facts. It's the feeling. So, you know, if somebody tells me they were raped 72 times <laughs> and I'm not laughing. Right. At dad, I, I'm like, right. oh <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. You know, like, Right. That's not, not the saying, same at all. Yeah. But it's not that's not what they're feeling. They have a relationship to me sharing in truth how I felt. And then and then that's the resonation. And that's why I think it's really important for people to share their story. It's like doing what you do and for people to be able to get their photograph taken by somebody like you and tell their story and be filmed or whatever it is. It's so powerful. It's just powerful. It's so healing for people because I also like for my show, I don't want it to just be sad stories about kids that took their lives or almost took their lives. I want them to be solutions. And solutions aren't like take a pill. Solutions are what you're doing. Solutions are, You know, grounding solutions are learning how to eat better, learning that you need to do different things for your life. It's like your daughter knows that dance is not only just dance and performance, it also that physical exertion for her is her balance. That's her mental health. You know, like if I didn't have my outdoor activities, I'd be I'd be a mess. You know, I just know right. that that's what grounds me. That's what keeps me balanced. And 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 the journey of balance is a journey every single day. You don't know. It's like you said in the beginning. How do you feel today? Yeah. You know, today's a good day. I had a good day, except for the
0: vacuum. But <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's, and, and we connect at trauma. You know, I immediately connected with you. It's funny. I, I was telling my partner the story of the day that you emailed me about my project originally. And I was like, Mariel Hemingway, Mariel Hemingway. Why do I know this name? Why do I know this name? And I d- it didn't. And then I had to go do something else. And I was on the phone with my mother-in-law and I said, Mariel Hemingway. I said it under my breath. And she said, um, you know who, who Mariel Hemingway is? And I was like, no, no, no. And I said, and then I looked it up and I said, oh, I know exactly who that is. And I said, she lost her sister." because that's where my head went. I knew what you had done. I had seen movie, but it wasn't about that. I remember hearing when you lost your sister to suicide. And I thought, that's where we connect. We connected our deepest pain, all of us. And it was like, I found a connection to you that was deeper than some movie that I saw. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't even tell you. Somebody brought I had an interview the other day, and somebody brought up a movie that I'd forgotten I'd been in. Woo. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was in that Seriously? No, come on. <laughs> but the truth—it's because I don't care because those aren't the real. Experience. I, you know, I love making movies; it's great. But the real experiences are the ones shared by shared by other humans, and we share in those. You know, it's true. You lost your brother. I yeah. lost my sister. It sucks, right? You know,
0: but yeah, there's and 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 the sibling loss is very unique to anything else because you lose. Uh, there's a book called "Surviving the Death of an Adult Sibling," actually, and it's I it was given to me right after he died, and it talks about siblings being you lost a piece of your past. Your present and your future they're the only people that co- corroborate what your parents did as kids. You can go remember that one time they're the yeah. only people that can do that your current they can see how far you've grown, what kind of mother you are, what kind of person you are as an adult because right. they know how you were growing up, and then growing up they can see they can see you get married, they can see you become a yeah. grandma, they can see all these things and it's like you you lose part of all three and and we're not really considered in the grief circle. People don't, you know, I, I remember people used to always ask me, how are your parents handling it? But it was never, how are you? Hand-? You know what I mean? It was like, you're a sibling. I don't quite know how to process that. So we'll just ask how your parents are doing or how their significant other was or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a weird place for us. So that's why I always connect to sibling loss. Cause I'm like, Ooh, they get it. They get it. They yeah. get it.
1: Yeah. It's different. It's definitely different. And there's a weird kind of like, I got to buck up and be strong. Could it be though? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I'm good. No, I'm good.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not I got to be there. I got to do all the things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I do. When I come to California next, I do want you to be a face in my project. And we'll, That'd be you great. know, my, my, it, it, we sit and we talk in very deep detail, and the camera's just on a, on a tripod with a remote, and we don't even see it. And we talk in great detail about the days that we lost and what we experienced on those days. And it's it. just like unpacking. And it's it's a lot, but it's also really healing to watch someone else process and see how they pro- how I process and it, we exchange these kind of grief processes just in conversation. Yeah, and it's it's healing for me. So I mean, I'm excited amazing. for that. Well, I Cool. I want to end this with my lightning round questions. I like to harken back to James Lipton cuz he's was one of my favorite interviewers. And so I've created my own, well one of them is his, but the rest are mine. So my first one is what your favorite swear word is or phrase. <laughs>
1: uh, hmm. I think that fuck <laughs> is really a, is really one of my favorite words. It's sad because I overuse it, so it loses impact. <laughs> And no, that's I, and not I possible. don't look like the person that should be using it as much as I do. And I've been using it for such a long time.
0: <laughs> I, <remember laughs> I think it was a, you
1: know, people magazine interview. I was, I was like, they quoted, they said that I spoke like a sailor or something. I was like, what does that even
0: yes. mean? I didn't even know. I love that. That's a compliment. <laughs> anyway. So I think that. That's I love weird. that. Okay, good. Perfect. That's like 90% of the answers to that. So okay. I think I'm going to at some point, I'm going to edit them all together and do like a funny reel of like curse words. And it's going to be all fuck basically, but Aww. it's fine. Um. So what right now during your self care? Is there like a book or a type of music or a movie that you're going to when you're like, this is a shitty day, I need to... I have a cat. Sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> I love oh my god! Those of you watching watching the video, there is a cat in it, and they're adorable. <laughs> oh my god! So Hi. cute.
1: Hi, he's a kitten, but he's very long. Anyway. so cute. Bye bye. Um. What book? You know, I've I've read so much. I've done a lot of Audible stuff, I'm sure, as many people mm-hmm. have, either when on a trail or doing stuff around the house, uh, listening to books. Um, you know, I, I love James Lipton, by the way. Um, I interviewed him, mm-hmm. so he's a pretty extraordinary Aww. human being. I got to interview him, and he was amazing. Um, but uh, that being said, uh, I... I also like Brian Tracy, who's an older guy kind of doing... Yeah, I know who it is. Yeah. And he has this book called Maximum Achievement. And it sounds... Bobby was reading it and he was like, I really want you to read this. I was like, Maximum Achievement? What? Am I going to go to the Olympics? He was like, no, you don't understand. Just read it. Anyway, I read it and it it was really good. It was really solid advice to get through life. So that was really good. And then I, um, I think that I like old movies. I, I love, to- mm. look, I love all entertainment. It's, you know, it's been a part of my life forever. Um, but I think that um, older movies and, and romances, especially now, it's mm-hmm. like, it's so fun to just watch things that make you emotional and you know what's really interesting is some of the some of the movies is like they're almost like projecting things that happen in the future, or you can interpret them in different ways. But I just love anything that makes mm. me cry. I love to cry. I Just I love a love story. I'm a really good audience member. So, so I yeah. I, I don't know what those movies would be. Uh, serendipity. No, but I love and that. Like, you know, like I just like stupid yeah. kind of stupid romantic things that take your mind away from. Yeah. Rom-coms. I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. No, that's good. As long as you have things that you're going to, I love that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I want you to name a few influential people in your life that have inspired you to be who you are today, but they cannot be white straight men only because they have so much power in the world right now. I'd love to bring focus to some females or people of color (laughs) in general.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. So the first person that comes to mind um for me is um he's an artist and he trained me for personal best years and years ago. Black um mm-hmm. pen uh no, he was a triple jumper. Yeah. I think he was. And he kept in contact just through text over the years. And, um, he's an extraordinary artist, has an amazing family. Uh, his name is Milan Tiff and, um, he's always been this kind of like point of light out there and his art is very surreal and very kind of, it's quite incredible. Um, so I would say that he is inspired me to be because I've known him for a long time, way before mm. the life that I had now. I mean, I was 17 when I met him um, and he's been kind of in this super, superfluous way, kind of a part of my life. So that would be um, somebody that I really like has always been there to inspire me. So yeah. um,
0: I I don't love know that. If he's
1: I don't know if he's well known, but. Anyway,
0: (laughs) no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) That works. Okay. My last question is if you could have lunch with your younger self, what age would you be? What would you tell her? And more importantly, what would you eat with her? Oh, interesting.
1: So (laughs) I would be 14. Mm. I would be in Idaho um, I wrote a book called *Invisible Girl*, which was my perspective on my life as a child through the eyes of a fourteen-year-old girl. So I have some mm-hmm. weird relationship because I think I'm actually only fourteen forever. <laughs> but um, right, what would I eat? Huh. So that's a very interesting. <laughs> You know, you I ask know, that because it, it provokes
0: lots of thought. Yeah,
1: well, it provokes a lot of thought for a, a girl who you know struggled with eating problems most of my mm. most of my younger life. Like, I don't have those problems, but that draws you know that brings up that, and that was about the time of my life that I started to become obsessed with control. Cause I thought if I could control my food, I could control my brain. I can, you know, like I wouldn't go crazy and all that stuff. So I think I would just, whatever the food was, cause we ate very well in my family. Cause my mother was an incredible chef kind of cook. I think I would just look her in the eye and just say, let's just enjoy this. Let's not think about mm. it. Let's just ingest and enjoy and really have this moment together
0: thank you for that question you would encourage encourage her to enjoy things and be in the moment a little bit it sounds like yeah yeah I love that I love that yeah Yeah, somebody an interviewer asked me that and on the spot and I didn't expect it and I started to sob (laughs) and I was like okay I want to hear everyone's answer to this question now from the the rest of my life
1: yeah that's good I might have to write that one down. Well, I'm stealing it.
0: <laughs> do it, please, please. Um, well, thank you again for being here. I, I would love to tell people how they can find you online and on okay. the internet. Um, what's, what's the best way to find you? Instagram, Facebook? Insta-
1: Instagram's probably the best. I mean, I have my Mariel Hemingway official fan page, which is Mariel Hemingway. That's me. Right. And that and it's me doing it. So it's not like somebody else doing. Oh, if you were right. like, please tell her. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's <laughs> anyway, me, yeah, that's me. But um, Instagram is probably the easiest one because I'm very good at like I love posting pictures outside. So, Mariel mm-hmm. Hemingway on Instagram. Um, okay, and Twitter, and it's MurielHemingway.co, c o not dot com. Don't ask me why; it's a complicated issue. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for us to meet in real life so I can take your picture and we can finally hug people. Yes. All of them. Oh, God bless us. I know. Soon, (laughs) soon. Soon. Thank you again for being here. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this conversation as part of our Face to Faces series. We hope you'll join and support the Faces of Fortitude community on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and on Twitter as myself, Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like to become a face in the project or join me in conversation on the podcast, or maybe you have an idea for a topic we should explore or a person we should interview, please contact us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. And until next time, please have extra patience and kindness for yourself and others.